0: Our scripture reading this morning is John chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters went to, sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And yet you're going back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by the world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep.
1: It's all about Jesus. You know, it's going to be, as Aaron said, the month of September, every Sunday of the month of September, we'll be doing a series about Lazarus. But I want to make it clear, it's all about Jesus. By the way, I can't help but see Randy and Debbie in the crowd, and, and uh, it's so good to have you guys here. And Todd, you've known them a while, I've, lo- I've known them, they- we've been friends for a long time, shared some miles and some experiences together. And it is not just a pleasure to have you guys here, but a privilege. And it is a privilege to have a part in your ministry. And in case you missed where they are, when the service is over, please meet our missionaries. Randy, they're mission builders, and they're on the way to Texas to for that part of their ministry, and please meet them. Um, it's all about Jesus. So, Gail, why am I doing a series on Lazarus if it's all about Jesus? And one of my fears in plastering a poster in the foyer about a series on Lazarus is that people are going to think I'm making a hero, I'm Grandizing Lazarus, but it's all about Jesus. But I have to say, you have to understand, in the story of Lazarus, what Jesus did in the life of Lazarus in raising from the dead a man who had been dead four days, this is recorded only in the Gospel of John. That blows my mind. Lazarus is not mentioned in any other Gospel. But in John chapter 11, his story is told to the extent that the enemies of the cross, the enemies of Christ, the enemies of God, by the way, the religious leaders of the day, so were so convicted... By what Jesus did in the life of Lazarus, they wanted to put Lazarus to death. Now, this is not necessarily my sermon, but I want you to start off thinking this morning, is my witness for Christ so powerful that the enemies of Christ, the enemies of the church, would like to put me to death? Or am I so innocuous so ineffective, so weak a witness that nobody pays attention to what I say because I really have nothing to say about Jesus. Listen, Lazarus became such a strong testimony for Christ that the enemies of Christ wanted him dead. So we're going to stay in John chapter 11 for a month of Sundays. And I don't know, does a month of Sundays mean just four does that mean 31 30 Sundays. Next four Sundays, today and the next four Sundays, we're going to be talking about John chapter 11 and the story of Lazarus. Today we're going to talk about the first part of that chapter, verses 1 through 16, which were just read to you, with the theme of, That You May Believe. He says in verse 14, Lazarus is dead, verse 15, and for your sake I'm glad that I was not there, so that, for the purpose that, you may believe. Now I'm just going to take that phrase and break it down and talk about the whole chapter on the basis of that one verse. So it starts off, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. Now, that's not all of the story, but we need to think about who Lazarus is. Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. So it says of Lazarus, now a man, a certain man, and and that's an apt way to start this chapter because Lazarus is not mentioned in any other book Of the Bible. Now, a certain man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany. Now, Bethany is a village on the Mount of Olives, just over the crest of the Mount of Olives. And some of you have been there. If you've made a trip to Israel, you've probably been to Bethany. It was also the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Now, by the way, they are the sisters to Lazarus. That is a brother and two. Uh, we, we talk about brethren and sisters. Is that something like that? It was a brother and two sisters. And he says, this Mary, the sister of Lazarus, was the one whose brother uh, lay sick. There's the, the brother was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, oddly enough, that comes later in the book of John. John must have known that the people had already read, because it had already been written down, Matthew, Mark, and even Luke. John's gospel was the last that was written. It was not just his opinion. It was not just his story. He was inspired of God to write it. But God allowed John to fill in some gaps that are not included in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. His is the final gospel, and there are parts of it that occur nowhere else. This story of Lazarus is one of those, and it occupies an entire chapter this anointing is another sermon, and I'm probably not going to get there. I've preached that sermon to you before, but it was that Mary. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Did you notice it doesn't say, please heal him? They didn't even dare ask that he be healed. Now, Tim, they may have presumed that Jesus would come immediately. I suspect they did. They thought, the one you love is sick. By the way, they didn't tell his name because they knew Jesus loved their brother. Don't you know what's odd about that? The one you love. Who wrote that? Who wrote those words, recorded what the sister said? John, the beloved disciple, who called himself the one Jesus loved. That's that's odd. The one you love is sick, and it's not John talking about himself. He's talking about Lazarus. But there's a lesson to learn here. Jesus had friends. Friends that he loved. Listen, I was taught in seminary, Randy, that preachers can't have friends, and especially pastors. Pastors are not allowed to have friends. But Jesus did, right? He went to their house. He stayed with them. That was his home away from home. He had dear friends friends. Listen, everybody needs friends. I've talked about that with you before. Back in the spring, we talked about um, friends matter. You remember that? Does, ev- does anybody remember the sermons I preached in the past? <laughs> friends matter. You need friends. In case you've forgotten, I said in that message. That, ladies, you need a same-gender friend. You need another woman that you can unload on. Before you talk with your husband, you try to unload on him and his eyes will glaze over. He can't handle all the words you've got. You need a girlfriend. Ladies, I didn't say, guys, you need a girlfriend. She better be your wife, but... Ladies, you need a girlfriend that you can share your emotions with, because they can identify. Guys, you need a same-gender friend. You need another male that you can spend time with, who can understand your challenges, and even hold you accountable. Now, Paul, the way men spend time together is different, isn't it? We can sit and watch the Razorbacks beat Cincinnati. Yeah. And that's about all we say. Yeah. We don't spend a lot of time talk- talking. We just, yeah. But you need male friends. Someone who can understand you, work with you, on projects. Just spend time together. Everybody needs friends. But understand, even pastors need friends. If if you call somebody's name in this church and say, well, pastor, you're friends with them. You know what I'm going to say? You bet I am. And I need friends. In fact, I will tell you that statistically, one of the predictors of failure in ministry is the lack of friends for the pastor. The pastor has no friends, and if a pastor has no friends, he is probably at some point in his ministry going to stumble, fall, and fail. Don't be critical when the pastor chooses friends in the church. Everybody gets to choose their own friends, right? Now, you can't choose your family. That's, That's forced on you. But you can choose your friends, and everybody needs friends. Jesus had friends, and he loved them. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death now you already know that jesus rose raised him from the dead right so you're saying well, was jesus wrong in saying this sickness is not going to end in death well john it's not going to end in death even though he died right because jesus knew What he was going to do, and then it's the reason he did it is for the glory of God. Now understand that Jesus loves you doesn't mean you won't get sick. And that sickness may not be because of sin. By the way, I'll tell you this, and I've said it before, but I think it bears repeating. I want to pound this into you. If, you're, if you've gotten sick, you have some incurable disease, you, something bad has happened to you, and you say, I wonder if I've sinned. And that's what this is all about. If you don't know, it's not. If you don't know why it's happening to you, then it's not because of sin. God is not mean enough to put something on you as punishment without telling you what the punishment is for. That's the work of the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come. Not every sickness is because of sin. Randy, Jerry Chandler told me that when he just about cut his leg off and was in the hospital, one of his preacher friends came to see him And said, have you figured out yet what you did wrong that God made this happen to you? Shoot that guy. I'm sorry, but that's just dumb. Besides being theologically wrong. Sometimes sickness is for the glory of God. You know, think about it. If... John David, if, if everything went perfect in our lives and we praised God, how much impact does that really have? Because there's nothing challenging our faith. On the other hand, if, if we get sick and we still glorify God, how much more power is there in that testimony than if everything was going well. Sometimes our sickness, our difficulties, our testing and trials is simply for the glory of God. You can't wait until life is easy to choose to be happy. If you know where that quote came from, tell me later. Jesus called himself in this passage the Son of God. That the Son of God may be glorified. Listen, it's crucial for your eternal salvation that you believe he is who he says he is. Do you believe that he is the Son of God? Somebody said he never claimed to be the Son of God. You better read a little more closely. He told us who He was. He told us who He is. And in order to make it to heaven, you have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe? This whole thing was written that you may believe. Do you believe? Believe in Jesus, the Son of God. The next phrase For your sake, I'm glad I was not there. He said, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. Now, it says that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, listen, there's a conundrum here, and... I wrote that word down when I was thinking. That's actually in my notes, Sarah, the conundrum. But I I have to admit, I laughed, Todd, because back when I was in high school, my English teacher was giggling one day. She said, I have to tell you guys this. said, there's a pastor in the area that came to me and said, Miss Bostick, I need some big words. Why do you need some big words? He said, because I'm asking for a raise. And if I use some big words in my sermon Sunday, they'll vote Sunday night to give me my raise. I'm not asking for a raise, but this is a conundrum. That is, it seems contradictory, right? It seems like it would be the other way. He loved Lazarus, Mary, and Martha But when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he did not go to where he was. What do you think, Heidi, would have happened if he had gone where he was? I think he would have healed him of the sickness. Now, there is a little exception to that. And I couldn't decide whether to tell you this, this Sunday or next Sunday when I'm at the next stage. When all this is happening... If you look at the timing, Randy, Lazarus was already dead. By the time the messenger got to Jesus, and he's telling him all this, Lazarus has already died. So why does he wait? Because raising a man who's been dead for four days would make a resurrection and a miracle that could not be denied. That's why they wanted to put Lazarus to death. This seventh miracle recorded in the Gospel of John was so powerful. But he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, but he didn't go to them immediately. What's that all about? The fact that he knew what he was going to do. He did this on purpose in order that the Son of God would be glorified. Now listen, he said, I'm glad for your sake that I was not there. He did not say, I'm glad that Lazarus is dead. In fact, later he wept over the death of Lazarus. That's another sermon. I'm not going to preach it this week. I'll preach it two weeks from now, but... He didn't say, Alan, I'm glad Lazarus is dead. In fact, the Bible says, um, Ezekiel chapter 18, verse, I believe it's 32, that the Lord rejoices in the death of no man. It says at two other places in Ezekiel, he does not rejoice in the death of the wicked. But rather, he wants everyone to turn to him and repent. That's not just New Testament, folks. That's Old Testament as well. He does not even rejoice in the death of the wicked, Brock. He, he does not rejoice in the death of anyone. In fact, it says, Paul, in the psalm, precious in the Lord is the death of his saints. That, doesn't, that precious doesn't mean happy. It means it means something to him. He is affected by it. It's something that he cares about. He didn't say he was glad that Lazarus was dead. He was glad that he wasn't there. Jimmy I don't know. Does that mean Jesus would have been tempted to heal him and so the miracle would not have taken place? I just know that because he waited, he performed a miracle that was unlike any other miracle, maybe except for the one where he gave sight to the man born blind. It was up there. I I started to say, I better not say that. This is Arkansas's day, uh, not Alabama's. Uh, Charlotte's sitting over there and she if I said Alabama today she would shoot me <laughs> the next phrase is so that you may believe so that you may believe that so that is a hena purpose clause that doesn't mean anything to you but it is a purpose clause this happened for a purpose God knows what he's doing and the purpose is that you may believe. Now understand, the disciples at this point already have faith in Jesus Christ. But I also need you to understand, your faith needs to keep growing. How long have you been saved? Is your faith greater today than it was then? Or have you just stayed at that same level? Unfortunately, some people never really grow. They have enough faith to save them. And thank God for once saved, always saved. Because you couldn't save yourself, and your faith will never be so great, and your faithfulness is not great enough to keep you saved. So praise God for once saved, always saved. Thank God that eternal life means eternal. It does not mean temporary. Some gospel preachers preach temporary salvation. Uh, what do, what's Jesus going to do? Come back and be crucified again? Listen, his blood was sufficient for all your sins. They were already saved, Loretta. But he wanted their faith to increase and grow for what was ahead of them. I'm telling you, Jerry, they were going to need greater faith than they had at that moment. And this process was not about getting the disciples saved. It was about getting other people saved, convincing them that they might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. But for the disciples, it was to build the faith they already had now maybe what's this holiday labor day maybe labor day sunday is not the day to talk about whether people are in church or not but i can tell you this your faith will not grow if you're not under the sound of preaching regularly and if you're not fellowshipping with other believers you're not going to grow You can't be a lone wolf, be out there on your own, and grow in your faith. You need this. You need to be under the sound of preaching. You need to meet with Jesus every day of your life in his word. You need to be a part of a small group. You need a church. Some people say a church is not necessary. Listen, the Bible says Jesus died Shed his blood for his church. He purchased his church with his own blood so that you may believe. After he'd said this, he went on to tell him, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I thought about this, and I don't know how, if I've got time to talk about this. I'm going to anyway. We use strange terms for death. I, I hear people say, he passed on. He passed on. Oh, does that mean he's a traveler and he's gone to the next town? or What does that mean? And by the way, it's P-A-S-S-E-D. Passed on. It's not passed. P-A-S-T. Just in case you're posting on Facebook, don't spell it P-A-S-T. And sure, don't spell it P-A-S-T-E. That means sticking paper on something, right? You paste it on. This is my English lesson day, I guess. We use the term passed on. We say, he's been promoted. Well, amen. I mean, all of this is true jesus used such an a a euphemism that's another big word right he's fallen asleep they didn't understand the euphemism lord if he sleeps he'll get better jesus had been speaking of his death but his disciples thought he, he meant natural sleep so then he told them plainly lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. Oh. Oh. You meant, you didn't mean sleep. You meant he's dead. By the way, I love this phrase, and I hadn't noticed this, I don't know if I'd ever noticed this before. I'm going there to wake him up, literally translated is i'm going to go there and unsleep him i like that i'm going to go unsleep him okay if you use a euphemism for death he's sleeping i'm going to go unsleeping by the way one day your body's sleeping in the grave your spirit is with the lord and one day he's going to come and He's going to put that spirit back in your body. He's going to unsleep you. Praise God. Only Jesus can do that. Do you believe God loves you? The Bible said He loved them. Do you know that Jesus loves you? Jesus loves me, this I know. I mean, we've been told that all our lives. But do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus loves you? I'm not talking to somebody else. I'm talking to you. Do you believe that Jesus loves you? Do you believe that He is the Son of God? It's not enough to believe that He loves you or even that He died for you. A lot of people die. Soldiers die for us. Do you believe that He's the Son of God? Do you believe that the Son of God loved you so much that He died for you? you do you believe that he hears you lord the one you love is sick do you believe he hears you when you pray do you believe he knows what he's doing we'll talk about that in a minute do you believe that he has power over death I think, Walter, I meant to put that one last because that's the key to the next main point. That is, let's go to him. He's dead, but let's go to him. Then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. And they said, but Rabbi, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And yet you're going back? Jesus answered, and, and this is hard. Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble. For they see by the, this world's light. But it is when a person walks at night that they may stumble. For they have no light. See, they were worried about him. Because of the persecution that had already taken place. But what are you saying, that whole thing about walking in the light? I know my time. Just like at the wedding of Canaan and Galilee, it's not yet my time. He knew his time, and he knew what he was doing. Now I don't know, Jamie, I don't know what went through the Mary and Martha's mind when he didn't show up. We'll find out next week what they said about it. But he knew what he was doing. My question for you, look up here. My question for you is, when you don't understand what he's doing, when things are not working out in your life like you think they ought to, do you believe that Jesus knows what he's doing? Nothing will strengthen your faith so much as going through a trial... And questioning, Lord, what are you doing? And believing that he knows what he's doing. Do you believe he loves you? Do you believe he hears you when you pray? And even when the answer is not forthcoming, do you believe that he knows what he's doing? Then Thomas, also known as the twin said to the rest of the disciples let us also go that we may die with him i usually read that by the way in the voice of glum how many of you know who glum was uh thank you michelle somebody knows the smurfs um now that i say the smurfs do you recognize at least that please i'm feel old up here already Okay, so there was one of the Smurfs whose name was Glum. He's the one who always had the pessimistic attitude. Okay, so if you don't know who Glum was, do you know Eeyore? Yeah? Eeyore. It'll never work. That's, Thomas is always called Thomas the Doubter. But I want to show you a different Thomas this morning. Thomas said, now, what he said was pessimistic, but what he committed to do, despite his pessimism, was to go die with Jesus. He may have been a doubter, but was also dedicated. How many times have we been called upon to obey God in spite of our doubts? Will you? God calls on us even when we are doubtful to be dedicated. And I want to finish by asking you this morning, what step of faith and or sacrifice is God calling on you to make despite your doubts. Despite your doubts. Doubt plagues every one of us. No one in here should be so bold as to say, well, I've never doubted. I've never doubted. We pick on Thomas because he doubted. But we all doubt faith leads us to do it anyway in spite of the doubts to do what god is calling us to do some of you need to make decisions this morning despite your doubts despite your fears you need to trust christ you need to come for baptism you need to join this church You say, well, my family will not like that. My husband won't come with me. My wife won't come with me. Put aside the doubt and do what God wants you to do. No matter what it takes. Will you follow Jesus no matter what he calls you to do? No matter what you have to give up? No matter what the cost? Will you do what He wants you to do?